Morpheus's Angels A Sandman and Good Omens crossover potfic written by Star of the Endless and read by Literarian Summary Tasked by their respective head offices to check out the horror in the basement at the dubious mention of Roderick Burgess, Crowley and Aziraphale employ the service of immortal Robert Gatling. Who could have known that Robert is actually quite familiar with said horror and not at all pleased to find him imprisoned? Lucky for Robert, both the angel and the demon make sure he doesn't get hurt in more ways than one. Chapter 1 Secret Meetings This is the beginning of a story. But for it to become a good story, it needs more than a beginning. Good stories have depth, excitement, tension, romance and maybe a little humour. Some stories should have a lot more humour. A story also needs characters, and lucky for this author, and this potficker, they can borrow a few really great ones from other stories. This way, this story might go from good to better. Our first character is Kaikul, Lord Shaper, Oniros, Lord Morpheus, Dream of the Endless, King of the Dreaming, the Shaper of Form, Dreamweaver, Sultan of Sleep, the Dreamlord, Ruler of the Nightmare Realm, Mr. Dreamy, Boss. Let's just say he has a lot of names. Unfortunately, he's currently stuck in a glass orb, surrounded by a rune circle that binds all his powers. He can't do much but sit around and plan his revenge on his captors. Dream is also friends with our next character, Robert Hobb Gatling, although he may pretend otherwise. Hobb, on the other hand, likes being Dream's friend. Hobb also likes wine, fine food and good conversations, and he absolutely loves life. So much so that one day he decided not to die, ever, right when death could hear him and grant him that wish. How convenient! Hob also knows Aziraphale, who's an angel. They met each other in 1589 in a nice little tavern. Hob had ordered quite a feast for his friend, but Dream left early, don't ask why, so Hob accepted when a homely-looking man with a nice smile asked him if he could sit with him. Aziraphale also likes wine, food and good conversations. He and Hob first shared the meal and then found out that they also share a common interest. Books. Aziraphale mainly likes first editions, preferably signed by the author, while Hobb has been imprinting for a while. 
there's a chance they might get in a bit of a spat over that later on, but that's a different story. The last character this author wants to introduce is Crowley. He's a demon, and perfectly fine with that, and also friends with Aziraphale, which he might deny, depending on the present company. After all, it might not look good for the head office if he's friends with an angel. Crowley hasn't always been a demon, of course. He sauntered vaguely downwards from heaven and then found that the human world is actually a great place to be. Crowley enjoys being on Earth. Heaven is this big, empty space, while hell is much too crowded. There's a reason he came to invent traffic jams and apartment buildings with tiny flats. If he has to suffer like this, it should do nicely for humans. Now that we have our characters, what we need is a plot. The thing that moves the story forward and makes it worth listening to. Let's start with a secret meeting. It's mysterious, questionable and maybe a bit funny, since Aziraphale and Crowley aren't particularly good at meeting in secret. Their idea of a secret meeting is either meeting at a public park or sitting in the back room of Aziraphale's bookshop. That's exactly where they are now, both of them with a glass of wine and not their first one. Crowley is slouched down on a sofa, almost falling off of it. Got another request today. There's some rich guy's house in Sussex they want me to look at. Not Fawny Rick, by any chance? Aziraphale asks, before taking a small sip from his glass. That's the one, Crowley says. He tries to get into a more sitting position, but needs a moment to get his long limbs sorted out. So they assigned us the same thing again. Flip you for it, Crowley suggests. Aziraphale gives him a stern look. I can't help but think you're tricking me. Every time we flip for it, I'm the one who has to do it. Demon. Crowley says, without the least bit of remorse. Remember? I think it would actually be better if we did this one together, Aziraphale says. Why? That place belongs to Roderick Burgess. I heard quite a bit of gossip about him. He seems to be a particularly foul human. No idea why my lot would have a problem with that, Crowley says, sinking back into the couch. Looks to me like he's corrupting people left and right. I think it's because of that sleepy sickness, Aziraphale says. It's not quite right. Can't you feel that? As if the whole universe is out of balance. That's Angel. Crowley says, taking a particularly long sip from his glass. Might just be the wine. They both giggle uncontrollably and drink some more wine. 
In fact, they forget about the whole matter until both of them get reminded by their respective head offices that they still have a job to do. That leads, for whatever reason, to another secret meeting at a public park. Since it is neither secret nor necessary, one might think that maybe Crowley and Raphael just enjoy meeting each other a lot. At least this time, there's no wine. According to my sources, I was right. This Burgess man is indeed horrible, and I'm not sure I want to go there at all. Raphael says to the air in front of him. Crowley is sitting right next to him, but of course they don't know each other. I don't like the sound of it. I heard he has a demon locked up in his basement. I don't feel like being next just because downstairs thinks it's a good idea. Oh, Raphael says, perking up. Crowley knows that sound all too well. Stop it, he groans. Not another one of your brilliant ideas. But this one is brilliant. Raphael turns to Crowley, making their not-so-secret meeting even less secret. What if neither of us goes there? Crowley looks at him, and he has to admit that a mischievous grin is quite a look on the angel. So we just tell them we did? No, of course, we have to investigate, Raphael says, and Crowley slouches down with another grunt, rolling his eyes. Raphael doesn't care. We just find someone else we can send in there. Maybe a human. A human, Crowley huffs. They might not have spells for them, but they could still just shoot them. Not if it's a special human, Raphael says. And I already have one in mind. Oh, I know the right guy for the job, Crowley butts in. Robert Gadling, they both say at the same time. How do you know Robert? Raphael asks. Well, you know, he's connected, Crowley says, gesturing so much with his arms that Raphael has a hard time following the movement. There was this get-together in a tavern. We had some drinks... And then the two of us, you know, it was a whole thing. How do you know him? We shared a meal in 1589. That was some really good food considering the times. Great venison pasty. You shared a meal? Crowley asks in a mocking tone. I thought he was nice, but he's a stubborn son... Raphael stops himself and flattens his vest. Man, he is hogging rare books like a dragon. Unlike you, Crowley says with a nod. Raphael looks at him as if he's about to clutch his non-existent pearls. 
I'm a collector. Robert just happens to have a few rare books because he lived long enough. There's a difference. Anyway, Crowley says, knowing that Aziraphale can easily go into a rant when it comes to books. Do we even have a way of contacting him? I might know where we can find him, Aziraphale says. And we just go there and ask him? Sounds like a plan, Aziraphale says, and he gleefully claps his legs before getting up. Crowley is way less enthusiastic about the whole ordeal, but he has come to accept that saying no to his angel gets harder by the century. Morpheus's Angels A Sandman and Good Omens crossover potfic, written by Star of the Endless and read by Literarian. Chapter 2 To the Rescue Hop is sitting in the White Horse Tavern with a beer and one of his journals, and while he usually enjoys company quite a bit, it's nice to have a little time for himself. He flips the pages and lands, not for the first time, on a specific page about a meeting he had with another immortal. Hop doesn't even need to read it. He knows every word by heart, especially the ones he said. All the words that made his stranger leave and that he so easily could have kept to himself. Hop truly believed they were friends, that they both changed because of it, and if he was honest, for the better. It's just that he could have used more flattering words when saying that to his stranger. Alas, it doesn't help to dwell on it. All he can do now is keep going until it's time to meet his stranger again. With a sigh, Hop closes the journal, and if he didn't take so much time thinking about his stranger, he could have gone home and continued with his life. It wouldn't be much of a story then, though, and especially not a good one. No, good stories have twists. That's why, when Hob closes the journal, he spots a familiar guy standing next to his table with a forced smile on his face. Robert, he says, with a tone as if he just bit into a lemon. Aziraphale, Hob says, his smile way more honest. What a nice surprise. Come on, sit down. You want something to eat? 
I don't think we're going to stay long enough for that, another familiar voice says. Hop seldom gets surprised these days, since he's seen it all, but now he's right out baffled. Crowley? Gadling. Crowley huffs, stepping up next to Aziraphale as if he's the angel's shadow. I haven't seen you since... Hop begins, but doesn't finish the sentence. His memory isn't the best for this particular day. He remembers drinking, quite interesting discussions, and then a huge black hole. Even his journal can't tell him much more. There's only one other thing he recalls. He woke up with a weird taste in his mouth, one that he never tasted before or ever again since. Since? Aziraphale asks. Crowley shakes his head and Hob shrugs. It was a whole thing. Anyway, how do you two know each other? Oh, we go way back, Crowley says. Must have been... He turns to Aziraphale, who looks like he's doing the maths in his head. Oh yes, the garden. Time really does fly, doesn't it? Hop looks back and forth between the two of them, letting the fact that they're an angel and a demon take up the appropriate space in his head. The garden? Of Eden? Kind of a boring place, really. Crowley shrugs, but Aziraphale smiles. But so pretty. Before he loses his goddamn, excuse him, mind, Hop gestures to the empty chairs at his table. Care to sit down? While Crowley and Aziraphale do just that, Hop waves someone over to order drinks. He asks for wine, knowing the tastes of his unlikely companions, and maybe he needs a glass or two of it for himself. So why are you both here to see me, of all people? We have a task for you, Aziraphale says, as if he's bestowing a huge honour on Hob, one that Hob gladly refuses. No, thank you. No? Told you, Crowley says in a little sing-song, and Aziraphale gives him an exhausted look before turning to Hob. What do you mean, no? It's important. Look, I've been a mercenary many times. Currently, I don't feel like doing that anymore. Well, you wouldn't, Aziraphale smiles. We wouldn't pay you. Hop knows that Aziraphale sometimes flies in another sphere, probably quite literally, but that's much more likely an angel thing, one he can't change. So he won't hold that against him. You want me to do something for you and give me nothing in return? He asks nonetheless. He's right, you know, Crowley says. It's not much of a sales pitch. 
Aziraphale looks heartbroken, and for a second he reminds Hob of his stranger. But that's what friends do, don't they? Friends help each other without a necessary quid pro quo. The words hit Hob deep. He's rarely even seen Aziraphale since their first meeting, and whenever he did, they ended up arguing. Still, the angel is sitting there with hurt in his eyes, believing that he's been wronged by a friend. Coming from Crowley, Hob would have told himself that he was trying to play him, but Aziraphale wouldn't do that. He probably can't. All right, fine, Hob says. I'll help you as a friend. Aziraphale beams at him, and for the first time, Hop feels like he's looking at an angel. For a second, Hop can imagine a glimmer of wings around him. Of course, we'll go with you, Aziraphale says, ignoring Crowley's we do in the background. And where do we go? Forney Rig in Sussex. We've heard that Roderick Burgess keeps someone like us trapped in his basement. Like you? Hob asks. Some people call it the devil, Crowley says. I know for a fact that it isn't. Some entity, though. That's why we can't go in there, Aziraphale explains. If this man can trap us, it's way too dangerous, but he has nothing he could do to you. Hop looks back and forth between Crowley and Aziraphale, wondering how aware the two of them really are when it comes to the human world. I heard about that Burgess guy too. I don't really feel like going into his basement, Hop says. And it's a huge mansion with guards. So, you can't die, right? Crowley asks. But I could get hurt or captured, Hop says, the words twisting his heart when he thinks about his stranger. That's, you know, I guess, Crowley says, exchanging a look with Aziraphale until he finally finds his words. We just need to have a look around first. I might have something that will help. Something like what? Hop asks. He can't count the times when someone promised him that a plan can't fail, usually minutes before it all goes to shit. Crowley waves his hand. A way to look inside. Don't worry. Hop can't believe he's sitting in an inn with a demon and an angel, letting himself get talked into a terrible idea. There's just something about it that makes him tingly all over. Maybe he's bored, maybe the idea of someone having to live their life in endless captivity bothers him, or maybe he just really enjoys the idea of helping friends. In any case, he's stupid enough to say yes.
That's how Hop ends up in the back seat of a black Bentley, with Crowley in the driver's seat, and Aziraphale only getting in after Crowley promises not to drive like a lunatic. That particular promise has value for about five minutes. The second they leave the city behind, Crowley floors it, and although Hop knows all too well that cars can only go so fast, that fact doesn't apply to Crowley's car. This is a curvy street and there are trees everywhere, Aziraphale complains. You promised. I've been driving cars ever since they were invented. I know what I'm doing. Crowley says, his voice telling that this isn't the first time they're having this argument. And nobody in this car can actually die. But the paperwork, I hate being discorporated, Aziraphale whines. Hob leans forward, maybe as a reminder that he's still there as well. And I prefer to stay alive. My death might not be permanent, but it still hurts like hell. Hurts like hell, Crowley says in a mocking tone. Have you ever been to hell? Have you ever died? Hob shoots back, and there's a heavy silence in the car until Aziraphale clears his throat. Ahem, how about some music, Crowley? Usually we listen to music while driving. Hop scoffs. Sure, music in the car. You're right, Angel, Crowley says, looking over his shoulder as if he wants to make sure that Hop sees what he's doing. My treat. Notes of actual music fill the air, and while Hob looks around to find out where the devil they come from, Aziraphale gives Crowley a beaming smile. It's so vibrant that Hob gets caught in it just as much as Crowley. It even makes Crowley smile back for a moment. It's then that two things happen at the same time, one in Hob's mind and one in his heart. In his mind, Hop understands why both Crowley and Aziraphale showed up to give him his task. They might both be following orders, but there's more to it. They're here for each other. They're friends. Maybe even more than that. Somebody who could make me be true could make me feel blue and even be glad just to be sad thinking of you. In Hop's heart, the longing that has festered there for years claws at his insides. If a literal angel and a demon from hell can be friends, then why was his stranger so appalled at the mere thought of them being just that? What could be so different about him? And how little does he think of Hob? 
Some mothers I've seen might never be mean, might never be cross or try to be boss, but they wouldn't do. For nobody else gave me a thrill. With all your faults, I love you still. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Hop wishes he could stop listening, but the music is all around them. When the song is over, another one comes on that Aziraphale enjoys quite visibly, and Crowley looks way more than just smug. It's as if he's playing a whole concert just for his angel. For the rest of the drive, Hop tries not to even look at them. They might be bickering as some married couples do, but to anybody with half a brain, it's obvious how much they care about each other. It's something that Hop hasn't felt since he lost his Eleanor. What he feels now is probably the reason why he never tried to find someone else. It's one thing to find intimacy and connection with someone you might never see again. It's something so different to let someone be part of your life. Maybe Hop tricked himself into thinking that his stranger could fulfill those needs and still stick around. Hop knows loss, but even with an endless supply of time, it never gets easier. Hop knew that his stranger wouldn't die. He never thought he could just lose him. Robert? Aziraphale's voice barely reaches Hop, but then he notices that the music has stopped. They're parking between a few berry-laden bushes, Burgess's mansion visible in the distance. We're here, and it's actually rather dreamy, don't you think? With all the trees and flowers. Looks like a nightmare to me, Crowley says, and they both look back to Hob as if he's the tiebreaker. I wouldn't mind living in a place like that, he says. Well, maybe without the entity in the basement. Crowley shrugs, as if that's a good point, and Aziraphale keeps looking around for more beautiful things to enjoy. Hop clears his throat, trying to get them back on track, rather than keep thinking about his stranger. All right, what's the plan? he asks, turning to Crowley. What did you bring? In the back, Crowley says, and they all get out of the car, heading to the trunk. Crowley opens it, and Aziraphale and Hob lean in to take a look. Hob turns to Crowley, rubbing his own neck to keep himself from putting his hands around the demon's throat. That's a stick. Please tell me that this is not the thing you promised me. It's not just a stick, Crowley says. It's old, from some spiritually important shepherd. How old? 
Somebody walked behind Jesus with it old, Crowley spits, pointing at Aziraphale. You have to take it. I'd probably burst into flames. But it's a stick, Aziraphale says in a careful tone, making Crowley roll his eyes. It's from a shepherd. What else would it be? A flaming sword? I'd take one of those if you have it, Hop says, still debating in his mind what to do with the demon. Oh, me too, Aziraphale smiles. Crowley huffs. Oh yeah, so you can give it away again? Would you let that rest, Aziraphale says, his voice higher than usual. I'm still worried God might circle back to that. Hop's mind begins to race again. He has to stop this before his two newfound friends drive him crazy. What are we supposed to do with this? I have it on good authority that it can do some damage, but only in the right hands, Crowley says, nodding to Aziraphale. Fine, I'll take it. Aziraphale grabs the stick and lifts it out of the trunk. Hop and Crowley both stare at him in anticipation, and a smile grows on Aziraphale's face. He stomps the ground with the stick and giggles in delight. <laughs> oh, this does feel wonderful, like love and community. I want to connect something, bring them together. Bring who together? Hop asks. Aziraphale still smiles like a madman. I have no idea. Let me see. He walks away from the car, watching the ground. When he finds a spot where no grass is growing, he draws half of any lips into the dirt before waving Hop over. Here, do the other half, he says, holding out the stick to Hop. Hop and Crowley share a look, but Crowley only shrugs, so Hop takes the stick and does as Aziraphale says. A second later, he drops the stick and takes a step back. A sort of mist is swirling inside the ellipse, making it look like a portal to another world. Told you it will help, Crowley says, before leaning over the ellipse. Show us the mansion up close. The mist swirls around and then floats to the sides, giving them a close-up view of the house. Hop can see a car up front and two guys standing by the entrance having a smoke. Show us the entity in the basement, Aziraphale says, and the mist swirls around before showing another view. What is that? Hob asks, leaning in closer. The room they see is dark, but illuminated by a white glow, a huge glass orb seemingly floating in the middle of the room. Is it in there? Crowley asks. Hob takes a closer look and falls to his knees. It can't be. 
a person is sitting inside the glass orb, naked, head held low, but so familiar that it hurts. Hop reaches out, putting his hand into the mist, but there's only dirt under it. Fuck! Hop jumps to his feet and wants to take off, but Crowley grabs his arm. Hey, stay here! Let me go! Hop shouts, struggling to get free, but while Crowley looks as if a simple gust of wind could blow him away, he's absurdly strong. Aziraphale steps into Hop's way as well. Robert, what is it? Do you know who it is? I have to get him out of there! Hop groans, still trying to get free. I'm not letting you storm in there like an idiot, Crowley says, not even pretending to struggle against Hob. So shut it. Talk to us, then we can think about a plan, Aziraphale says, and even in his fury, Hob has to admit that he can't just storm into the mansion with nothing but anguish. He's my friend. Hop finally says, and Crowley lets him go. What is he? he asks. Sadness burns in Hop's chest, thinking about what to say. He doesn't really know much about his stranger after all. I know he's immortal. We've met every one hundred years in the same place since 1389. Aziraphale gives him a knowing look, remembering their first meeting. Who is he? He never gave me his name. You've met a couple of times. You talked. You have to know something, Crowley says. Well, he's always dressed in black, and where's this huge red ruby? Hop says, trying not to think about his stranger's tantalizing voice, his pink lips, or the barely there smiles Hop is always so desperate to get out of him. One time he blew sand into a woman's face and she seemed to go into a sort of trance. A red ruby, Crowley says, looking over to Aziraphale. And the sand, Aziraphale says. Then he claps a hand over his mouth and whispers, The sleepy sickness. We're out of here then, Crowley says, walking over to the car door, but Hob blocks his way. Wait, you know who he is? Tell me. Above my pay grade is what he is. Crowley growls. Now move. Crowley, Aziraphale says, his tone that of a disappointed mother. Come on, Angel, an endless. We report back to head office and we're done. We don't have to go in there. Hob turns to Aziraphale, ready to beg on his knees. Aziraphale, please. The angel sighs. <sighs> he has a whole list of names. 
I think these days they call him Lord Morpheus, or dream of the endless. Lord? Dream? Pictures of his stranger rush through Hobbes' mind, and it seems so obvious now. He has to be some sort of royalty. What is he, then? He's the king of dreams and nightmares, and the ruler of the dreaming, the place where humans go when they sleep, Aziraphale explains. He's the anthropomorphic personification of the collective subconsciousness of the universe. If he messes up... Aziraphale makes a face Hob has never seen before. Upset would be an understatement. Then what? Poof, Crowley says, mimicking an explosion with his hands. Universe, gone. Hob has seen unspeakable things in his life. He has memories that haunt him, that he needs to keep at bay so he can just move on. He always managed somehow. Until now. At this moment, Hob isn't sure if his human mind can fathom what these beings are trying to tell him. His stranger is much older than anything Hob can truly comprehend. He's powerful beyond measure, his existence and function are vital to the entire world and all of humanity. A demon was ready to take off just because he heard about him being nearby. And then there's Hob, an idiot who knows nothing about anything, not even when to shut up. No wonder his stranger just left. One such as he clearly doesn't need Hob's companionship. Now it makes sense. Aziraphale says. Heaven likes order, and when the Lord of Dreams can't take care of people's sleep, then there will be chaos. And Minot can't tempt people into sinning while they're asleep, Crowley says. Still, can we please go? Hop steps to the ellipse and falls to his knees. Show me his face. There he is, his stranger. His face is the same, like a sculpture chiseled out of marble, just his hair is a little different. Lord Morpheus. Grim. Finally, Hob has a name, and it couldn't be more fitting. Hob remembers every second of their meetings. How Dream walked up to him for the first time, how it gave Hop chills when he said his name in that menace of a voice. And then, without fault, Dream came to him every hundred years. No matter how insignificant Hop might be, Dream found a reason for meeting with him. It has to mean something. I will go in there and I will get him out, Hop says, getting up. 
I have to, and I won't have him suffer in there for another second. Great, and we'll be right here, Aziraphale says, stepping up to the ellipse. And keep watch. Sure you don't have a flaming sword somewhere, Hob says, making Crowley roll his eyes. I always knew you were a madman, but this is more stupid than anything you've ever done, Crowley huffs. Still, he shuts the trunk of his car, snaps his fingers, and opens it again. Here, my treat. The trunk is filled with handguns, rifles, ammunition, a crossbow, hand grenades, knives, and weapons that Hop might have fought with in the past, but hundreds of years ago. You had that, and you gave us a stick, Hop asks. It worked, didn't it? Crowley asks, and Hop wishes he could argue with him. Instead, he arms himself to the teeth before returning to the ellipse. He asks to see the outside of the manor and the rooms inside, trying to come up with a plan. Then he turns to his friends. All right, have the car ready for a quick escape. You won't have to ask me twice, Crowley says, and Aziraphale gives Hob a thumbs up. We'll pray for your safe return. With a last look at Dream, Hop takes off to sneak into the manor. Aziraphale and Crowley watch as he takes out the guards at the front and then makes his way inside. Gotta hand it to him, Crowley says. He knows what he's doing. If only it wouldn't be so violent, Aziraphale says, his eyes always on the ellipse. Oh, that must have hurt. Nice one, Gadling. Wow, that's a lot of blood. Careful behind you. Oh, good, he saw him. They keep watching while Hop fights his way into the basement. He steps into the room where the Dream Lord is imprisoned and walks right up to the glass. The being inside looks up his eyes widening. He puts his flat hand against the glass from the inside, while Hob does the same from the outside. Time to get you out of here, Hob says, but then Dream screams. No! The one word booms so loudly it should be able to shatter the glass. Instead, Hob falls to the ground. No, Aziraphale whispers as a man comes into view behind Hob. That's him, that's Roderick Burgess. So you can speak, Burgess says, dropping a knife to the floor. I guess you and your friends can have great conversations while you both rot in here. Unless you want to give me now what should have been mine all along. Grim doesn't answer. He doesn't even move. At least that's what Burgess must see. 
Aziraphale and Crowley comprehend much more than human eyes. There's darkness inside the orb, taking and losing shape, colors vibrant as northern lights, sparkling like a million stars, and then flames, bright and seething, worthy of hell. Someone's angry, Crowley says, and Aziraphale walks around the ellipse like a startled chicken. We have to help them. Why? Aziraphale stops and looks at Crowley, not with his usual exhaustion or amusement about the demon's ways, but with actual disappointment. First Hob, and now the Dreamlord, don't tell me you don't see it. No, don't say it, please. They're clearly in love. And you said it. Aziraphale grabs the shepherd's stick. I will go in there and I will do whatever it takes to help them. Oh, come, Moffat Angel, Crowley grunts. You can't hurt a fly, and that Burgess guy seems to know a lot. No idea what he did to that knife, but he sure got Robert with it. Well, that doesn't matter, Aziraphale insists. He looks close to tears now. Doing nothing is just not right. He storms off, and of course Crowley follows him, trying to reason with him all along the way. Not that it'll do anything. Aziraphale might not be capable of hurting anybody, but that doesn't keep him from wanting to help. They walk through the mayhem that Hop left behind on his way in, and soon they make their way down into the basement. Burgess is still there, hammering against the glass orb with his cane. Talk to me! I know you can! Talk to me! Dream doesn't answer, his eyes teary as he looks down at Hob, who still hasn't gotten up. As Aziraphale and Crowley step into the room, Burgess swirls around. Look at that, he snarls. All this time you've been quiet, Dreamlord, and now you keep sending these creatures here. Excuse me, Aziraphale says. I'm not a creature. I'm an angel, and he's a demon. Don't tell him that. Crowley whines in annoyance, but Aziraphale keeps going. And we're here to bring an end to your foul practices. I demand that you let the Lord of Dreams go at once. Burgess laughs before turning to Crowley. A demon, huh? Well, how about a little exorcism for you? He follows the words up by mumbling something under his breath, and Crowley puts his hand over his ears. No, shut it. Damn, that hurts. Burgess takes a step closer, his voice growing louder, 
and Crowley keels over, now clearly in pain. Oh no, you don't! Aziraphale screeches and swings the shepherd's stick. It hits Burgess's forehead with full force. He stumbles back, hitting his head against the glass orb and falls to the ground. God damn, Angel! Crowley says, before putting a hand over his mouth as if he just ate something disgusting. You knocked him flat out. Oh no, I'm so sorry, Aziraphale says, leaning over Burgess. Is he dead? Nah, I don't think so. I would have seen his soul head south, Crowley says with a shrug. You take care of Robert, and I'll get the Endless, and then we'll better get out of here. Azir Raphael crouches down next to Hob. There's poison in his blood infused with magic. He's neither dead nor alive and unable to do anything. With a little effort, Azir Raphael is able to suck the poison out of him, the magic then evaporating on its own. Meanwhile, Crowley steps up to the glass orb. He struts right through the chalk on the floor, rendering the rune circle useless. Then he rounds the orb. All right, shouldn't be too difficult, he says, snapping his fingers. A huge hole appears at the front of the orb, and Crowley indicates a little bow. He might be a demon, but he's not a complete idiot. There you go, sire. Azir Raphael helps Hob to his feet. They watch as Dream reaches up, and in a swift movement he swings himself through the hole and lands softly on his feet, like a cat. Give him this, Aziraphale whispers, pushing a dark coat into Hobbs' hand. Then he steps up to dream. Lord Morpheus, I am Aziraphale, and this is Crowley. We've been asked to investigate Burgess's prisoner, and when we found that it was you, your friend Robert here didn't hesitate for a second to come to your rescue. It is his courage and empathy that let us free you in the end. Hop hurries over to Dream to put the coat around his shoulders. He has no idea where Aziraphale got it, but it's made of the smoothest fabric that Hop has ever held in his hands, and as soon as it touches Dream, it seems to cling to him. Dream nods at Hop before turning to Aziraphale. I thank you both, and I can assure you that I will never forget your kindness in this matter. It was nothing, really, Crowley says. Somehow he moved closer to the door, and Aziraphale smiles at Dream before taking his place next to Crowley. We'll be outside then, in case you still need us. They leave, and Hop prays for the ground to open up and swallow him whole. 
Instead, Dream takes a step closer. His feet are still bare on the stone floor, and Hop wonders if he can even feel the cold. Hop's eyes wander upwards, where Dream's legs are barely covered by the fabric. It holds together around his middle, but then it leaves Dream's chest bare again, the coat almost falling from his shoulders. You know who I am now, Dream finally says, and Hop almost shudders. Dream's voice always sent a shiver up his spine, but now it has more weight, more power, his words meaningful and set in stone. I guess I do, Hop says, his eyes back on the ground. Or maybe I know even less than before. I'm only human after all. Graham lifts Hop's chin with a soft touch, making him look at him. I've been imprisoned here for decades, and no god, creature, or power of any kind even tried to free me. It's your humanity that saved me, and I thank you. Hob nods. The real reason he saved Dream burns deep inside of him. It makes his heart sing at the touch, his lungs burn from the closeness to Dream, and his eyes water with tears of joy. Still, he'll never be able to say it out loud, especially now that he knows Dream for who he truly is. What are you going to do now? Hob asks instead. I will have my revenge, Graham says, his eyes flickering to Burgess on the ground. And then I will have to go back to my realm. I can feel the damage my absence has done to the waking world. I can only imagine how much it hurt the dreaming. I think I saw your ruby on my way down here. Hob says, if that helps. Really? Graham asks, longing in his eyes. What about my sand and my helmet? There's a bunch of stuff in a glass case, so yeah, maybe. Show me. They head upstairs, and Dream takes the ruby into his hands, just holding it for a moment before putting the chain around his neck. The ruby glows, clinging to his skin like the coat. Then Dream takes the pouch of sand and lets it disappear under the dark fabric, although Hob has no idea how it manages to stay there. At last, he reaches for his helmet. It's an odd-looking thing, but Dream cradles it like a newborn baby. Thank you, Hop, he says. I wish I could stay longer, but I'm sure there's much that I will have to repair, both for my people and yours. 
Sure, I understand. I will see you as soon as I can. A hundred years, then, Hop jokes, although he wouldn't mind an exact number. Dream gives him the hint of a smile, making Hop's heart sore. I think it would be impolite to keep a friend waiting for that long. He puts on the helmet and takes out the pouch. A stream of sand floats out of it and surrounds him. When it disappears, Dream is gone as well. Hop takes a deep breath and lets it out as a sigh. All things considered, things could be worse. He's still alive, Dream is free, and they'll meet again as friends. Hoping that Aziraphale and Crowley haven't just left him there, Hop makes his way to the door, but when he reaches for it, horrible sounds come out of the basement. Burgess shouts and pleads until he lets out a horrible scream. Hop remembers what Aziraphale said about his stranger. He is the king of dreams and nightmares. It seems like Dream just got his revenge. And Hop smiles. Morpheus's Angels A Sandman and Good Omens crossover potfic written by Star of the Endless and read by Literarian Chapter 3 The Talk It's been three months since Crowley and Haziraphale helped Rob rescue Dream of the Endless and the two of them sit, like so many times before, in the back room of Aziraphale's bookshop. There's wine, but this time Crowley is way more invested in it than Aziraphale, and since Aziraphale usually indulges in human things, Crowley is uneasy. Come on, Angel, he says. We both got excellent remarks from our head offices, and that sleepy sickness is all but gone. What are you moping about? I'm not moping, Aziraphale says, in a very moping tone. I'm thinking. About? Robert. I saw him two days ago, and it seems he hasn't spoken to Lord Morpheus ever since the rescue. So? Crowley says, clinking his glass against Aziraphale's as a reminder to drink. I bet he's been busy. 
Aziraphale does take a sip from his wine, but his face stays brooding. I think we need to help them. I'm not much of a cupid, mind you, but how hard can it be? You want me to shoot someone with a bow? I'm game. Don't be silly. We need to talk to them, make them see that they belong to each other. Yeah, count me out then. Crowley. Crowley lifts his hands. Yes, I saw them too. And yes, they're probably overdue to make whoopee, but why would that be our business? It's not about making, well, anything, Aziraphale says. They're in love and they deserve to know. Wouldn't you want to know? Then what? Crowley says. You want to walk up to them and just tell them? Yes, Aziraphale smiles. Each of us talks to one of them. We could flip for it. All right, Crowley says, but when he reaches for a coin, Aziraphale stops him. This time, I'll do the toss. Aziraphale pretends to plug a coin from behind Crowley's ear and throws it into the air. Head means that you'll talk to Lord Morpheus. Tails means you take Robert. Aziraphale reveals the coin and Crowley leans over to see the result. It's heads. Crowley groans. He has no intention of talking to Hob, but an audience with a dream lord is so much worse than hanging out in a pub for a bit. Great, he groans, and Aziraphale clears his throat. You know what? Maybe I should talk to Lord Morpheus. Why? I would probably end up arguing with Robert over some books, so maybe you better take him. All right, it's not like I care anyway, Crowley says. With a grunt, he gets up and saunters out of the room, while Aziraphale tries to remember how one gets an official audience with the King of Dreams. Dream is sitting on the stairs that lead up to his throne, walking the dreaming in his mind. Slowly but surely, he has mended every crack, his realm finally getting back to its former glory. My lord? Lucienne's voice comes from the other end of the room. There is somebody here seeking an audience. He actually went through the proper channels. That's strange, Dream says, getting to his feet. Only sovereigns of other realms might come in this way, but it is unusual for them to come unannounced. Who is it? His name is Aziraphale, and he claims to be an angel. Dream's skin prickles, memories rushing through his mind, both pleasant and unpleasant. 
It's all right then. I know him. Lucy Yen nods and walks outside. Moments later, Aziraphale comes in, looking around with wonder on his face. Lord Morpheus, he says, taking a little bow. What a lovely place you have here. It's rather dreamy, but I guess you know that. I do, Dream says, trying his best to smile. Is there something I can help you with? I am in your debt, after all. Aziraphale waves the words away. Oh no, not at all. Robert did all the heavy lifting. In fact, that's why I'm here. Oh, Dream says, and anybody who knows him might have been surprised by such an inadequate answer, but Dream can't find any other words after hearing Hobbs' name. I talked to Robert two days ago, and he said he hasn't seen you since the rescue. I'm afraid that's true, Dream says, not quite sure how he feels about Hop having casual conversations with angels and maybe even demons. I was busy making repairs. Aziraphale nods. Of course, and you've done so well. It's a delight to see the humans free from that horrible sickness. And yet you have come here, Dream says, letting the sentence hang in the air, making it a question. You see, I'm an angel, and without even trying, I'm bound to feel and see certain things, Aziraphale says, clearing his throat. And I feel bound by friendship to help whenever I can. Help? Well, I have only met Robert a couple of times, but when I realized that he was immortal, I thought that he probably just refuses to die. I think that's a fitting assessment, Dream says. It's no wonder that an angel would pick up on such a core aspect of Hob. Aziraphale takes a deep breath, readying himself for a speech. Now, when we first learned that it was you in the basement, Robert wanted to run into that mansion with absolutely nothing to defend himself, and he would have if Crowley hadn't held him back. Even when he knew that Burgess could be dangerous to someone like him, and even when we told him that we could report back to our masters and have them sort it out, Robert still insisted on going in right away because he didn't want for you to suffer any longer than you had to. Not even for a single second. Aziraphale's words seemed to crawl through the throne room, climbing the walls and echoing back, ringing in Dream's ears like thunder. He has a history of coming to my aid without me asking for it, 
Maybe it's destiny, Aziraphale says, before rolling his eyes. But of course, you would know more about that than me. Destiny is an interesting thing. Crowley and I always flip a coin when we can't decide on things, and the coin decided that he should come here instead of me. Then why are you here? I asked to come instead. Crowley is not particularly tactful. He probably would have told you to make whoopee with Robert and be done with it. It's one of the rare occasions when Dream doesn't have an answer. Aziraphale looks at him with as much surprise on his face as Dream feels himself. He didn't intend to say what he did, but it still rattles around in Dream's mind. The thought of him and Hob together in that way. It wouldn't be for the first time. Anyway, Aziraphale says, his voice a little shaky. Since it is me here, I wanted to let you know that Robert is the one suffering right now, and there's only one person who can save him. As his friend, I thought you should know that. Aziraphale smiles, but he squares his shoulders, looking at Dream in defiance, as if he's waiting to be struck down where he stands. I'm glad to know that Robert has a friend like you, Dream says, his mind still caught in a vapour. All he feels capable of right now is being tactful. I thank you for your honest words, and I will consider them with the utmost care. I'm really just trying to be a good angel, Aziraphale says with a smile, especially in the face of true love. If Dream actually had to take in air, he'd probably have a hard time catching his breath. Like an arrow to the heart, the word love pierces him, pain exploding in his chest. He remembers how Hob came into the basement, putting his hand on the glass. Dream told himself that he felt relief back then, and that it would have been the same if somebody else helped him. Now he's no longer sure if that's true. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time, busy as you are, Aziraphale says. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you, Aziraphale, angel of the eastern gate, Dream says, the words of formality. Aziraphale still gives him a broad smile before he leaves. Only moments later, Lucienne comes inside. Do you have a moment, my lord? A moment? A second? Not even a second. Can it wait? Dream asks. Well, it's important, but not time-sensitive, Lucienne says. 
I can come back later. Good. I'm late for an appointment, Rem says, although he's still torn if he should go at all. I hope you'll be cautious if you go to the waking world, Lucienne says, concern in her voice. Don't worry, Lucienne, Graham says, hoping that he's going to speak the truth. Where I am going, there is nothing that could hurt me. Hob thumbs through his journal when a tingling feeling runs up his neck. Someone dressed in all black steps up to his table. Hop's eyes wander up the lean form until they reach dark glasses. Hey, old friend, Crowley says. Fancy meeting you here. Hop runs a hand over his face. I haven't seen you for three months, but now you walk in here two days after I've talked to Aziraphale. What a coincidence. Indeed, I was just looking for a business opportunity. You know, for a demon, you should really be a better liar. Hop sighs, pushing the chair on the other side of the table back with his foot. Sit down. Crowley makes a face, but sits down, taking a moment to find room for his long legs. He always seems like he never got used to running around in a human body. Hob is unsure if he wants to know what the demon truly looks like. So why did Aziraphale send you here? Hob asks, trying to get to the point. He thinks you need help with your dream guy. Hop wonders what Dream might say to being called Dream Guy. It probably wouldn't go well for Crowley, even as a demon. Why would I need help? You've been meeting the guy since 1389, and he took off after you freed him, Crowley says. I don't know. You tell me if you need help. He has important things to do. Crowley nods, although he doesn't look convinced at all. That sleepy sickness is pretty much gone, and he's the king, but sure, I guess he only gets one night off in a hundred years. I think I will survive without him, Hop says. That much is true. Crowley doesn't need to know in what state of mind he'll be in the meantime. Hop appreciates every newfound friend, but he's not that close with the demon. I told Aziraphale that you just have to take a turn at Bushy Park with the Dream Lord. Crowley shrugs. But you know the angel? He's been going on and on about love. Hop's not sure what's worse. Crowley saying that Hop should be intimate with Dream or the mere mention of love. Both make butterflies erupt in his stomach that immediately catch fire. Sure, he huffs, 
Like I would... And there's no love. At all. Crowley turns to Hob, and for the first time he moves his glasses down to look at him. His eyes are slit like a snake's, and a shiver runs down Hob's back when Crowley smiles. Now who's the liar? Hob wishes he could pretend, but while Crowley isn't Aziraphale, he's not stupid enough to just ignore feelings. It's an important part of tempting people, after all. It doesn't really matter, Hop says with a sigh. He's some sort of god and I'm... He can't bring himself to even finish the sentence, but Crowley sits back in his chair with a shrug. Also immortal. Human. I can think of a few people, hell, even whole religions, who would disagree with you there. Well, you said it yourself, Hob says, his heart heavy. I haven't heard from him, so what does that tell you? Crowley studies Hob for a moment. At least that's what Hob can assume from his posture. What is it, then? Are you trying to do the deed of darkness with Lord Dream, or is it more like dear Aziraphale keeps telling me? If anybody had told Hop that one day he would sit in a tavern talking with a demon about his feelings for an even more powerful entity, well, he'd probably think that they'd be drunk beyond comprehension just like he feels every time he thinks about Dream. It's more, Hop says, his voice so weak that he's not sure if Crowley can even hear him. It's love, at least for my part. Then you keep going. You have all the time in the world, right? Right. Hob does his best to smile, almost hoping for Crowley to leave so he can sink deep into the hole inside his chest. All right, fine, Crowley says. I'm not the one to talk to about this stuff, but you look awful and I won't hear the end of that from Aziraphale, so here it goes. Why do you wait for him? Hop huffs a laugh. What else should I do? I don't exactly have his address. He's the king of dreams, Crowley mocks, as if it's way too obvious. You're basically walking into his house every time you fall asleep. Right, which means I'm asleep and can't do anything, Hop says. And why would he care? Wow, Crowley says, but when Hob only raises his eyebrows at him, he leans forward as if he's letting him in on a secret. When that Burgess guy stabbed you, your little friend went berserk in that glass thing. You know, fire and brimstone, dark smoke, exploding stars. He was livid. Reminded me a lot of Satan, actually. I was sure he'd break through. 
And I've rarely seen people that upset about a stranger, you know? Something inside Hob begins to grow, stretching desperate fingers towards Crowley's words, wanting to believe. It's this taunting mistress asking for a dance. Hope. Like many times before, Hob turns her down and shows her the door. I was the only way for him to get out of there, that's all, Hob says, each word more painful than a dagger to the heart, and he should know. Crowley chuckles. Hob never heard him like that, and it's unnerving rather than joyous. Do you understand what endless means? I mean, he surely didn't like sitting in that thing, but he could have waited lifetime after lifetime to get out. He could have waited until the whole building had fallen to natural decay. Kind of forever, you know? So you're saying that he doesn't need me, Hop says, his heart dropping. Ugh! <sighs> Unbelievable, Crowley groans. Don't be such a loser, Gadling. I liked you way better when you just went for it. Hop clears his throat, hazy pictures dancing around his mind. Yeah, I don't quite remember all of that. You took a shot in the dark and it worked, Crowley says with a shrug. And your chances were way worse with me than your Lord of Dreams. So what? You want me to just walk up to Dream and tell him about my feelings? Crowley looks as if he wouldn't mind bursting into flames right that second. It's not what I'm saying, but Aziraphel would, and he's the one with the good heart. Hop remembers 1889 way too vividly, but it's not like he's any happier now without Dream around. Being careful hurts a lot. Maybe he can heal himself by at least trying. All right, he says, taking a deep breath. Guess I have to try. Yes, Crowley says. Off you go, then. Now? Yes, now. No time to waste. Hop has a sudden feeling that Crowley is keeping something from him after all, but he has other things to worry about. Namely, his endless future. Morpheus's Angels 
A Sandman and Good Omens crossover potfic, written by Star of the Endless and read by Literarian. Chapter 4 Matters of Love Hop closes his apartment door with a sigh, going over the plan in his mind. It's easy enough. He'll put on comfortable clothes, have a nice cup of tea and try his best to fall asleep while thinking about his feelings for Dream, hoping against hope that he will hear him somehow. When Hob enters his bedroom, he hears a familiar noise. It's a weird whooshing sound. He heard it when Dream disappeared at Burgess's mansion. Hello, Hob, Dream says behind him, and Hob freezes. Can his stranger read his thoughts now? Does he know? Hob turns around, his mouth falling open when he sees Dream. He's not wearing one of his perfectly crafted outfits, but is dressed in the flimsy cloak that Hob gave him. Hey, Hob says, trying to swallow his heart that is almost beating out of his throat. Dream. A hint of a smile comes to Dream's face and he steps closer, convincing Hop that he might pass out any second. His stranger has always been beautiful, even when they rescued him from that cage, but he still looked tormented then. Now he's way more radiant, powerful and dangerously impressive. I just had a talk with one of your friends, Dream says, making Hop's heart stop. Oh no, look, if Crowley said something stupid, it was Aziraphale. Hop isn't sure what to say. The angel obviously isn't bad in a crowly kind of way, but he talks way too much at times, mainly about the things he cares for the most. Good food, books and love. I have to apologize, Dream says, his head held low as if he's ashamed. And it shouldn't have taken someone else to tell me. After all, I promised not to keep you waiting. That's fine. I'm sure you've been busy. Hob shrugs, even when Dream's words mean so much more to him. We've met every hundred years, so what are three months, really? Dream studies him, and his brows draw together. For a moment, he seems confused, but then his face lights up. Dear, sweet Hob, he says, his voice lighter, touched. 
Hobbs' stomach does a somersault at the words, and he swears to forgive anything if he can get more of this out of Drame. To be cherished like this would excuse so much pain. Drame takes a step closer to Hobb. I wasn't talking about the last three months, but about all those centuries before, when I always wanted to... He doesn't say more, and Hobb can't help but stare at him. Dream has never been lost for words before. What? I've never been good with this in the past, which is also why I didn't try again with... with you. Good with what? Hob asks, his whole body tingling. There's something in the air so thick that he wants to grab it. After all this life, he knows when it's about to change. Love, Dream says. Sounds, Hob huffs. You walked out on me because I said we were friends, and now you're telling me that you love me? Perhaps. Hob laughs. It breaks out of him and takes all the sorrows and doubts with it. <laughs> That's bloody brilliant, you know, because I love you too. Dream dares to look surprised and Hob closes the space between them with two long steps before he cups Dream's face and pulls him in for a kiss. They cling to each other and only let go when Hob has a hard time catching his breath. Then Dream turns around and his robe glides to the ground as he walks over to Hob's bed and crawls onto it. He's sitting there in between Hob's rumpled sheets, his hair messed up beyond repair by Hob's affections. Are you coming, Hop? He asks, his voice even more alluring to Hop than it has ever been before. Hop looks to the sky and takes a deep breath. <laughs> this is it then, after 666 years on this fine earth. It's a shame, really, but what a way to go! <laughs> So, what were we thinking for lunch? Crowley asks. Aziraphale is about to answer him when there's a rapid knock coming from the main door of the bookshop. Oh, that's the mail! He hurries to fetch whatever it is. Packages are always a good thing. They could contain books after all. That's odd. Aziraphale says as he enters the back room. It's from Robert. Why would he send you something? Let's see, shall we? 
Aziraphale says, quickly cutting it open, and Crowley joins him to take a peek inside. The first thing they find is a small brown package with a note. Dear Aziraphale, please do me a favour and give this to Crowley. The other one is for you. Greetings, your friend Robert. Crowley unwraps the paper and finds a small angel figurine. Damn you, godling, he growls, but Aziraphale knows it to be a good growl. What is it? he asks. It's from a job we did together, Crowley says, turning the small angel around in his hand. We argued about this one. No idea why he's giving it to me now. What did you get? Oh, right. Aziraphale dives back into the package and takes out an envelope addressed to him, but clearly not in Hobbes' handwriting. He opens it up and reads. Dear Aziraphale, Angel of the Eastern Gate, by request of Lord Morpheus, I'm sending you this book. He intended it as a gift, but as it is the only one in existence, I can merely offer it to you as a lifelong loan and advise you to take proper care. With the best wishes, Lucienne, Royal Librarian of the Dreaming. They have a library? Crowley asks, but Aziraphale doesn't answer. He carefully puts the letter aside and goes through the papers in the box until he can reach the book inside. Aziraphale takes it out as if it might explode and stares at it in wonder. Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman Aziraphale lets out a squeal and opens the book, looking as if he might cry any second. It's a first edition signed by the authors. So, you have a whole bunch of those, Crowley shrugs. What is it even about? I have no idea, Aziraphale says. He closes the book again to stare at the cover some more. Then why is it so great? Don't you understand? This isn't a book from the waking world. It's from the dreaming. Nobody else has a book like this. So, by definition, I have the rarest book in the world. Oh, <laughs> Crowley says and laughs while nudging Aziraphale. <laughs> Dear Robbie wouldn't just give this to you, so you know what that means. Aziraphale's smile grows even brighter. Of course I do. Robert and Lord Morpheus must have finally confessed their love for each other. Yeah, not what I was thinking. Crowley mutters under his breath. What? Aziraphale asks, still beaming at his book. Even Crowley isn't heartless enough to rip him away from that. He watches how Aziraphale carefully turns the pages. 
for once the words come easy to him, even the really bad one. No, you're right. That must be it. Love. The End